Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast, all things related to education and especially math. Today we have a special episode because we're doing another spotlight on careers that involve math. And today is really special because we've got a great guest on the show in a career line that is really fantasized about when when we're young. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many kids... Even myself included, that said at one time that they wanted to go into this field. So it's a real pleasure to have him on. He is a pilot for a major commercial airline, a young pilot uh, as well. So it's it's going to be really cool to hear his experiences in that field and also how he's had to use math to get to where he is now, and also how he will have to use it in his next pursuit, which is beyond commercial airlines, which he eventually wants to go into the commercial space industry and be an astronaut, which is really, really cool. And it's the first, I mean, to have somebody who's striving for something like that and has been training for something like that is, is a special treat. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Gabriel to the show. Gabe, how's it going? Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks again for joining us. I know you got a super busy schedule, so I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Any any chance to procrastinate on my studying? Welcome here. Okay, perfect. So before we get into some of the nitty gritty about being a pilot, just tell us a little bit about your background in education. Like, where'd you go to school? What'd you study? All that good stuff. Um, well, um, a lot of my uh, my challenges come from you know not doing the the proper background in high school. Uh, I went to Los Gatos High School, and that's actually considered relatively highly rated, although I didn't, um, I didn't come across a podcast like yours and I didn't, uh, study my math as, as much as I should have, because I didn't know how applicable it would be to so many careers. I didn't know at the time that I wanted to be a pilot or, um, I, you know, I fantasized about it, but didn't know how to get there. So I was into music at the time and, um, enrolled in San Jose state as a music major because I was a drummer in a band at the time. And I happened to be sharing a dorm with um, about four or five guys that were in the aviation program and uh, hearing them talk about it and how they had this exciting career to look forward to and something that also seemed a little bit more stable than being a musician. I began to thinking about, think about it more and more and actually started fantasizing about it again, just like I think you know all kids fantasize about being a a pilot or an astronaut or a police officer or a fireman. And my thing had always been aviation as a kid. And after about a year of constantly thinking about it, I thought maybe I should just switch my major to aviation. And when I formally switched it over, I realized that joining a flight academy was the way to go. So I actually dropped out of San Jose State, enrolled in a flight academy, and then started going to school at Embry-Riddle, which is the aviation focused college. And that was this, 
all happen within a couple months. So one month, I'm a normal college student, a music degree. A couple months later, I'm in a flight academy, actually flying airplanes and going to school at night at Embry-Riddle. Before I even finished the degree, and this is the ultra short version of the story, um, I was hired by a commuter airline. So at 22 years old, uh, I was flying jet planes around the country while finishing my aviation degree at night. And and so your aviation degree, this was your this is your bachelor's degree that you. So this is like the core requirements on top of everything that you had to do just to get trained as a pilot. It was one of those things that I was told was required to become a professional pilot, but a commuter airline hired me before finishing the degree. So um, I had two years of college under my belt with this new degree, professional aeronautics or aeronautical science. And I finished up those two years doing online courses while I was working for this commuter. So it all, it, it, the order of everything was somewhat untraditional, but worked out wonderfully for me because, you know, in my early twenties, I had a lot of flight time and then I was able to get on to a major airline that I've been at now for about uh, since 2008, I was able to get on to that airline, I think um, in my early thirties. So how did you get this opportunity with the commuter airline? Being at the flight Academy, there were older instructors that were getting interviews. And one of my friends even got the job at this airline, which was my number one. It was sky West airlines, which was the, pretty much the only commuter that was considered a really good job and decent benefit. You know, a lot of my friends actually still work there. Um, my friend got an interview and through the networking and being at the flight Academy, I got an interview and just considered it a practice interview because I thought there was no way in heck they were going to hire, you know, a 22 year old. I looked like I was about 15 or 16 at the time. So in, in my head, I thought this is a great opportunity to practice an airline interview and then I'll go back to uh, flight instructing and then fly cargo and then hopefully get another chance to interview when I was quote ready. And that's not exactly how it panned out. They actually hired me at that interview. I mean, it's a multi the interview is very extensive, but at the end of the whole process, they ended up hiring me and, um, you know, I mentally or in actuality, bypassed a lot of the steps that I had laid out for myself. I never thought I'd be, you know, flying airliners at that age, at that stage in the process. But um, so far, it's all worked out and been a lot more fun than I ever kind of imagined, even in my fantasies. Now, when you were interviewing, for example, for this position, what was there? Can you talk a little bit about the interview process? And also, was there any math or I assume there had to have been some problem solving skills that were required and so on and so forth. Like, just tell us a little bit of detail about what happened there. Yeah. Um, almost all airline interviews are multi-part process with, uh, there's a written portion of the interview. There's a psyche valve. There's an HR eval, human resources with other pilots management. And then there's a simulator check. So there's all these parts you got to go through, but in the written portion and in the HR portion, they definitely ask you questions that are going to call forth your mental math abilities. It's a lot of times nothing really, it's not deep calculus or anything, but 
you know, more practical examples of, you know, you're actually in a plane at 30,000 feet and at what point do you need to start your descent in order to get, a, like, for example, a three-degree glide path? And that would be basic trig, but it would require that you knew how to use trig in a practical sense related to the job. And that's what I was talking about. If I had been a little bit more diligent in high school, learning the, the you know basic math, basic trig, basic algebra, my life would have been a lot easier. Because you know, as I'm I'm actually getting a master's degree now, I'm having to relearn a lot of the math that you know I could have more deeply absorbed in high school and in college. But yeah, the the mental math comes into play, and the stronger your base is the easier and more smooth these types of interviews would go. Right. And we talk about and trigonometry and a lot of my kids who are taking algebra two pre-calculus, they use, they have trigonometry problems where they have to calculate. For example, there are problems that I've seen in trig classes. You have to calculate the angle of descent where you have to figure out exactly what angle do you have to, what, what's the angle you have to be on to, for example, hit the runway at a certain distance or vice versa? What is the angle of descent if this guy lands from here, you know, point A to point B? So all that stuff is, is maybe it may not be the most realistic type of questions that, that you guys encounter, but I know they try to sort of hit that in trigonometry. So tell us a little bit. Of, so how did you get I know it's super rare to become a commercial pilot that young in your life. How did that? You know, how did that come about? Was that the product of having a great flight record? Was that the product of getting out there and really talking to the commercial airlines constantly? Like, how did that, how did that all take place? Well, I think a large part of that equation was luck, you know, honestly. I mean, obviously, the work needed to be put in. You know, you, you're not going to get through flight academy and you're not going to get through a bachelor's degree you know, in that field, unless you put in the time, put in the work, a little bit of talent helps, obviously. Um, having enough passion to put in that type of work day after day and, and, and still find it exciting. To me, it wasn't necessarily a, um, a huge exercise in discipline because I was so excited to get into this field. I liked it so much more than music. Um, I didn't, I don't think I had necessarily a talent um, for this profession, but I had so much excitement, so much passion that, um, you know, today is a good example. When we get off the phone, I'm going to be studying aeronautical engineering because I just think it's the neatest thing. So um, the passion helped being lucky enough to be in the dorm room and seeing other pilots my age majoring in that and just me putting it together that it is possible. Um, I, I actually was at the time concerned about my, you know, my lack of math aptitude, but, um, you know, that was overcome by just putting in the work and the interview that materialized through probably being at that flight academy where somebody else could connect me with the right people to network and put the interview together. Doing well at the interview, I think also has something to do with, um, you know, the luck component came in because, we can all be in a bad mood or not in a social mood. And I happen to be, you know, I'm guessing in a pretty good mood that day because I was like, you know, charming enough for me to hire that day, even though I felt in over my head and then everybody else at the interview was much more qualified and older than I. Um, it also helped that I considered it a practice interview. 
So maybe that was putting a little less pressure on myself. Now, when you, so now you are going back for another degree for a master's. Why did you decide to to do that? Is that because of your greater ambitions to become an astronaut or is that something that you chose to do out of interest? Well, definitely both. Um, I, I'm still just as fascinated about aviation, flying jet planes. I will my whole life, but um, now in LA, you know, there's SpaceX, there's Virgin Galactic. There's a lot happening in the commercial space flight industry. And just like I would have felt terrible if I didn't try to become a pilot back when I was thinking about it all the time, I think I'd feel terrible if I didn't try to crack into the commercial space flight industry. So the master's degree is just one of about 20 or 30 steps that I'm going through. It's, it's challenging, but yeah, I've been to two specialized courses and two test pilot schools. Those were major pieces of the puzzle to get me more qualified and build my resume. And the master's degree is just, um, you know, a significant step, but one of many steps to get me there. And of course, I find the material extremely interesting. You know, we're basically learning how to design spacecraft and oversee and design missions, which is what's cooler than that. Basically designing spaceships. That is, that is actually really cool. My cousin is about to finish his aeronautical engineering degree at Michigan. He finishes this December and he's also completely obsessed with, he got his pilot's license just to fly little uh, Cessnas a year ago, I think when he was still, when he was 20. So he got that and he's, I know he's really excited. He's not totally sure where he wants to go or what he wants to do with his degree, but it's a huge area of interest for him as well. So if you, now you're in your master's program, tell everybody how important or how often do you use math in your current, with your current course load? Um, all the time. <laughs> uh, when I first started this program, I, I had taken calculus somewhere in college, but it was not strong enough for this program, even though they accepted me in. So I was completely punching above my weight. Um, in the beginning, I needed a, well, basically my wife helped me through a lot of it, but then the math became, you know, I guess, figurative, figuratively and literally stratospheric and needed um, a math tutor and now I'm at the point where I'm on top of it again, but that took a lot of remedial study outside the normal classwork because, you know, there's practical problems that involve trig and calculus, um, geometry from time to time. But, you know, in aeronautical, aerospace engineering, um, designing anything to do with a space system, obviously math is it's very math heavy. You're just, you'd be lost without it. And I actually was. I'm just, I'm, I'm finally getting my footing now that I'm about three classes from finishing the degree, but it's, um, every time I was up till 2 AM kind of brushing up on my math outside of the classwork was time where I was, I really wish that it put in some of the legwork in high school. What about on the job as a pilot? How, what, in what ways do you use math when you're, you know, when you're flying your commercial airliner? At work, it's more simple arithmetic, multiplication, division, some light trig, like I discussed, um, figuring out descent rate, converting Celsius, 
or, you know, converting, yeah, Celsius to Fahrenheit, for example. Every time the airline pilot makes an announcement, he's telling you the temperature in Fahrenheit, but he converted that in his head from Celsius, which is what came out in the readout. That's just division, subtraction, but it's mental math. So it's the type of thing where the math isn't extremely deep or complex, but it's the more you can do in your head, the better off you are. Um, as you get more into, um, you know, if you're interested in experimental test pilot work, that's where the disciplines of engineering and flying come together. That would be a lot, include a lot more deep math, your calculus and trick. Um, but I think we use so much simple arithmetic, we, we don't even think about it after a while. Every time we get a fuel slip, we're doing some form of um, division and adding. There are typically simple formulas that we picked up along the way, like on-the-job training. Um, but I do notice that the pilots that have an engineering degree, which obviously has a you know, extremely stringent math requirement, they do better out on the line, out on the normal, you know, the normal day-to-day work of flying because computers do a lot of calculations, but we need to back up all these calculations or we need to be ready to shoulder the load of the computers. If anything goes wrong, which it does. Wow. Every trip, something goes wrong. That must be a big, I mean, that's gotta be a big deal if you're in the air and something goes wrong and you have to rely on your mental math. That could be some serious, you know, some heavy importance on those calculations. I must imagine. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the Sully situation, that was a dual engine failure, and he probably knew that that airplane, the Airbus, the A320, travels about 2.5 miles for every 1,000 feet it loses. So, you know, he put together an incredibly, well, I wouldn't maybe not incredibly, but a fairly complex equation in his head and made it work out. And that's happened, especially in emergencies. It, it really does make a difference between feeling like you have a complete handle on the situation as opposed to maybe wasting valuable seconds having to whip out a calculator. Right. So I, you know, I definitely, I definitely have been working on it lately. There's a book called mental math for pilots and I've been kind of religiously going through it because I'm on, uh, you know, out of work for the next three weeks. Oh, that's so cool. Mental math for pilots. I'm, I'm going to check that out as well, just because I'm curious. That's really interesting. I talked to my buddy earlier in the a few, you know, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 episodes ago in construction, and he talked about a similar thing. It may not be as the magnitude as far as the importance of these particular calculations in construction may not be as sort of like life or death at that point in terms of not life or death, but in terms of the safety of passengers. But it's still quite important where he said this a similar idea that you can't be pulling out your calculator, pulling out your iPhone on the job site to do these calculations with fractions or adding up different, you know, calculating areas, volume, so on and so forth. And it becomes very important to be able to do it quickly in your head. So just to reemphasize again, I mean, we've heard this theme over and over and over in the data science industry, in the video game industry. Mental math is important. It's one of the things that you start learning at a very young age. But I got to tell you, I think it's super important that you keep up the practice. I see kids start out 
maybe strong when they first learn it, but then they let it go to the wayside and it gets slow. And and this is one skill that I, I just have to emphasize once again how important it is and how helpful it can be later in middle school, high school, and beyond. So it's really that's really great to hear. So now you you've got such like an interesting career trajectory and you've got such big ambitions. You've already done so much. Where do you see yourself if everything goes according to Gabriel's plan? Where do you see yourself in, let's say, 10 years? I see myself living in the Mojave Desert, um, <laughs> deeply embedded, hopefully in a pilot position in the commercial space flight industry. Um, and I will be flying spaceships about once a week. Wow. And my wife, my wife will magically learn to love living out in the desert. So is that where the, la- the launch sites are out in, in the Mojave Desert? It's where the company that I'm particularly interested in um, in contributing to. That's where they're doing their experimental work. And, um, that's yeah. where I definitely hope I end up. That's really cool. Uh, best of luck. What advice do you have to kids who are listening who have ambitions to be a pilot and don't know, just like you, don't know where to go, don't know how to begin? What advice do you have to them if they're still in school? I would advise them, and keep in mind, I'm going to be incredibly biased here um, because I think flying jets is the most fun thing that somebody can do with their time. So my advice would be to become a pilot, (laughs) first of all. Um, In order to make it easier and and more of a smooth road, just put in the work in high school because everything you don't learn, it's a lot like like Spanish. If you don't learn Spanish in high school, it's going to be a hassle later on because it's a very useful thing. It makes life easier if you know how to speak Spanish and math is that way where um, definitely becoming a pilot, the, the discipline you put forth in high school will make that path a lot easier and give you an edge when it comes to the interviews you'll have to go through. And then you can spend your adult life sleeping in every day and only working three or four days a week and flying jet planes around, which is a heck of a lot more fun than having a real job or, you know, uh, you know, the grunt work you have to go through in high school. But, you know, I definitely think in my case and in most of my friends' cases, the juice is worth a squeeze. Awesome. Excellent parting words. Thank you so much, Gabriel, for taking the time to do the interview. And I know now you're about to jump into some fun aeronautic engineering textbooks. So that's pretty cool. So I will let you do that, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to check out the show notes to today's episode, go to www.scalarlearning.com. And again, this summer, we got episodes coming out every day. So check back regularly. In fact, subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so yet. We've got a lot of great information for parents, for students. So please check back on the regular. Thank you again for joining us today, and I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Skinner, learning.